First time lord, I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I have never seen Doctor Who until now. And for the first time, I sit down and watch the entire series, and oh boy, I can't wait every week to sit down, watch a new episode, and then sit with a friend, a family member, an expert, somebody that knows so much about Doctor Who that I can get the most out of every single viewing, and this week is no exception. I am going to be talking about the episode titled 42, which is from Series 3, Episode 7, and because we're stuck in a space station in this episode, or in a spaceship, and they're in peril about to careen into the sun, I had to enlist the help of a podcast veteran at this point uh, who has been with me through other perilous travels with the doctor, and that is the incomparable John Sobel. Thank you very much for having me, and yes, uh, we're doing another uh, space-involved orange spacesuit perilous journey. Yes, we definitely are. So, dear listener, if you have not seen 42, now would be an excellent time to pause the podcast and run to your TV and watch that episode. It is so good. And then come back and join us because inevitably, in the course of our conversation, we're going to spoil the plot of the episode. So, do yourself a favor. And now that you're back, let's jump right in. Oh, dear goodness. I I really was not expecting this episode to just have me on the edge of my seat the way it did. Oh, I yeah. Mean, it's, this is so much fun because, it, because it's, you know, everything happens so fast. You don't have days or, hour, or even hours to, to worry about it and plan yeah, it out. This is like a nail biter. And I mean... Everything from the fact that the the moment we land, the episode's title comes from the fact that the moment they land, they have 42 minutes before the spaceship careens into a sun. Yes. And off we go from there, which is amazing. Um, so... I, I mean, I don't even know where to start. It's well, I lo- just I love the fact that this is there's so much going on that you don't have to have the whole who are you, why are you here, who are you really, you know. They don't have time to to do all of that. It's just oh, you're here, you're trying to help. We'll we'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> it, it it was interesting that you know just like uh, and I, I mentioned it in the intro, but. You and I sat down uh, through the episode uh, where the doctor lands in that uh, base in the impossible planet. Uh, and, of course, the, the, the TARDIS gets, like, separated from the doctor because there's an earthquake. Uh, and a very similar situation here where 
they land, you know, because there's a distress signal and they run to the aid of the, the distress signal. And the moment they get out of the TARDIS, they're locked out of the room where the TARDIS is. Right. Uh, and they're told they can't get back in. The doctor even tries and gets blasted back uh, because of the heat that's in that room. So once again, this is one of those episodes where they're separated from the TARDIS and the TARDIS cannot help them. The TARDIS is not the thing that's going to be, you know, I think the doctor says uh, that's our lifeboat. Right. Uh, that's what he calls it. Uh, and yet he can't get to it. it. It's impossible. So they have to really solve the problem through different means, uh, which again, put, I mean, edge of my seat, man. I, the, the entire time, uh, <laughs> just watching, you know, if, if I had any nails to bite, I would be biting those nails because it, I, I'm still speechless about how good this episode was at creating tension. Uh, and you know, just when you think there's the one ticking bomb of the ship, you know, going towards the sun, there's the whole, the ship has been um, tampered with by a, a crew member who then apparently seems to be possessed by some sort of entity. Uh, so now we have two ticking bombs and then the possession seems to be able to spread or the infection seems to be able to spread. So now there's three ticking bombs uh, and just every step of the way, it seemed like they were going to take all of the action, all of the anxiety that you can cram into one episode and wretched the, uh, the volume past 11. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. It was, uh, I mean, right from the beginning, you get there, they're all standing in the room, and all of a sudden, there's this one crew member running through, uh, running through the hallway and doors are closing behind her, you know, mm -hmm. sealing them off. And, you know, knowing that this is this is clearly, you know, a major a major issue that we're going to have to deal with. Yeah. And then there's the the Martha side of the story. Uh, and I talked a lot about it last week with Ashley, um, but I, I really am loving uh, the, the development of Martha and how. You know, she she was almost starting to feel like she was being kind of pushed aside or pushed, you know, pushed out of the TARDIS by the doctor. And then at the end of uh, last week's episode, the doctor kind of welcomed her back in. And, you know, at the beginning of this episode, we see him uh, extending that benefit that, uh, Rose had almost immediately upon traveling with the doctor, which is to have a phone that she's able to call back home with, uh, from wherever they are. Um, I, I think, uh, what did the doctor call it this time around? If, International roaming? Yeah. Um, universal roaming. That's what it is. Yeah, universal roaming. And he called, it was like, he said, oh, and here's the phone. And this is, you know, it's a frequent flyer privilege. Which I, I love that uh, uh, I love that turn of phrase, you know, the, the idea that she's not a companion, she's not a replacement for Rose. It's just she's a frequent flyer, and at this point, she's earned certain points, right? Uh, that she's redeeming for the certain perks. And again, it was she originally said from the first episode she just wanted to go for one trip, 
And the one trip obviously lasted longer. And then they came back last episode and they were home for a while. And then, you know, she decided to go with. So now she's, you know, now she's official. And the official, you know, gets the perks. The official gets the perks, yes. Um, and, uh, you know, once again, Martha, not afraid to uh, get her hands dirty. She's jumping right on end when, you know, the doctor is uh, trying to help the situation. She's like, okay, you need to go do that? Great, go. And Martha goes with, and she's like, Martha, be careful. You know, starting to show that while he's not as emotionally entangled with her as he was with Rose, he definitely cares. Oh, absolutely. He definitely is, you know, concerned and uh, for her well-being. Uh, so, you know, that was a great moment, uh, which then gets reciprocated, uh, you know, by Martha once again, when she is stuck in that, uh, in that, uh, oh, what it, it was the, the lifeboat? No, yeah. uh, the, the escape, escape castle. Pod. The escape pod. She, she's in the escape pod and she has that moment of, uh, you know, she's like, well, you can believe whatever you want to believe. I believe in the doctor. Right. And I'm going to I'm going to hold on to that belief, uh, which is wonderful. You know, it's such a great way of sort of saying I I'm going to put my faith in this guy because he's shown me that it's not misplaced. He's shown me, you know, time and time again that he will work towards making sure that not only you are safe, but that I am safe Uh, and it was it was great to see her reaction when, of course, the doctor prevails in getting her back into the ship. Uh, and she's like, see, I told you. I told you he was going to come and get us. Uh, and she's had a couple of those occasions already in the in in the series. But it just it feels really good when you see that relationship uh, getting tested and expanded uh, and. Not that I want to replace Rose, but at this point, Martha really has much faster than I remember Rose uh, having the same feelings in that, you know, Rose eventually came to trust the doctor to the point where it, it was shocking for her to see the the change, uh, the uh, blanking on the the actual nomenclature, the regeneration. Oh yes. He started talking all about. Yeah. You know, when the, the regeneration portion, you know, it was a shock for Rose and then she regained his trust. Whereas it seems like Martha is just almost immediately very trusting. Like the, there's a different level of trust where for Rose, it, it took a while to build, Whereas for Martha, almost from the first time that they were in the moon together, she trusted the doctor for whatever reason, whatever connection they felt or they had. And it it is abundantly clear in this episode that Martha is just 100%. I trust the doctor. And I've, because of what she does, it's almost like he knows that he can trust her to take care of her side of the, you know, he, she's not a wilting flower or she's not a, you know, a damsel in distress. 
she is equal parts uh, companion and equal parts partner where she immediately can jump in and be of use in just about every situation they've been in so and, far. And is that the because um, do you think it's because that she is training to be a physician and therefore is supposed to be jumping in and trying to help? Well, I, I think, uh, and we talked about it a little bit uh, last week as well, uh, but I think part of it is the medical training. Part of it is just the maturity. She is a little older than Rose. Um, so with that maturity, there, you know, there's a level of acceptance of responsibility that comes Um but, you know, it's just she's a different person. And part of that is, you know, I think that's the part that I'm most interested by is that I didn't want to see the doctor replace Rose with a Rose clone. I wanted the doctor to, you know, move forward. And this is a great way to show she's not Rose. She's not replacing Rose. She's just, you know, she's a different person and that person is a very capable uh and, and in weird ways uh her you know both her demeanor and her medical training come in handy uh with helping the doctor in you know in various situations last right. week uh her you know her her quick thinking and her willingness to sort of put herself in harm's way uh helped and then this week you know her both her willingness to jump in and get her hands dirty, but also her medical experience with uh, with getting the doctor into that chamber and trying to freeze out whatever possession was taken hold of the doctor. You know she's she's definitely I think a very worthy uh, companion, and I, I'm trying to reserve my opinion. I know everybody that I've talked to so far, you know, says, this is my favorite doctor. This is my favorite companion. I'm trying to stay objective and not form those opinions. But I, I really do like the way Martha carries herself. Yes. Uh, there, there's something that I just really connect with. Yeah. And she's, and she's just, I think we always will, will find um, as we go along and even in the past uh, each companion that came on was different and so that you'd never really got a, a quote-unquote clone of from one to the other they all had their own special abilities and such but I do love how Martha uh, jumped in right away it was like we need to have two people to do the door you know I can make myself useful this way and help with you mm -hmm. know getting these doors open and then she truly does make herself useful uh, by being able to call her mother about the with the whole um uh, question of uh, uh, the Beatles, or, had, the Beatles, yeah, or Elvis Presley, whoever had the most number ones uh, pre-downloads, which I love that because you know, obviously it's in the future, uh, but clearly in 1906, 07, 19, when this was being filmed, <laughs> uh, there was no idea how downloads would would you know jump. Um, and even one more thing, as long as we're talking about the downloads here, um, the Beatles had more chart toppers in America, but the UK the UK charts Elvis had more than the Beatles. 
Mm. So, the you know, depending if this was an American version of the show, then the Beatles would be the number one. But be, they had 20. Elvis had 17 in, on the American charts. But uh, Elvis had actually 18 chart toppers in the UK to the Beatles 17. Oh. So had this been filmed in America, that would have been a different answer. That would have been right. It, well, and it's also interesting. I, I don't remember exactly when, but I, I do remember that uh, the Beatles catalog was kind of late in the game uh, as it pertained to digital downloads uh, because of all the rights and, you know, confusions that, you know, and, and fights that go on between, you know, who gets to do what, uh, when and where. Uh, so that would have also affected, you know, cause I know the Elvis catalog was available digitally much oh, yes. earlier than the Beatles were. So that would have also, uh, certainly in 2006, 2007, it would have definitely, uh, been a variation or, uh, it would have caused a deviation, but I, that's interesting. I did not know that, uh, Elvis, had more hits than the Beatles in in England. I, yes. I would not have guessed that. Me neither until I until I read that because that was something I definitely wanted to look up because it was mm-hmm. such. It took so long to go through one. You know, and the doctor screaming, "You got to hurry up! You got to hurry up!" And then it takes you know half the time to answer this one this one question. Right. Um, and her mom's like, "Oh, hold on! I got to plug in the mouse. <laughs> I got to do this. I got to do that." And yes. it's like, "Just get me the damn answer." You know, I guess that would have been pre uh, Alexa or yes, uh, <laughs> oh, you, <might> before. <laughs> uh, you know, or Siri. So you know, right. you couldn't just shout it out and say which one. You know, you have uh, to ask Jeeves. <laughs> I remember ask Jeeves. Yeah. So not useful. Oh yeah, uh, almost exactly. as not useful as the uh, the Yahoo answers, the Yahoo question and answer location, but. Um, but yeah, that was also very interesting because, uh, you know, she calls mom, asks this weird question and then she calls mom again because, you know, she's scared and she wants, you know, that, that companion without trying to, you know, try not to scare her mom. But we do see that her mom is clearly there with some woman, where they seem to be, uh, you know, at least all the signals are that she's trying to trace the call of, in some way, shape, or form. Right? And is that what I gathered? Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, without without you know spoiling anything that will happen in the you know in the next episodes. That this is uh, definitely something um, that will play later on. Hmm. Yes, because I mean. Jumping to the end, uh, when she calls her again to say, you know, everything is fine. I just wanted to see you. Uh, and she even commits to dinner tonight. Right. Knowing that, you know, it may be another three weeks for her. But <laughs> because the doctor can travel through time, he can deliver her back uh, to her flat right. so that she can make <clears throat> dinner at eight o'clock. I mean, right. And, um, and what day is it again? Right, <laughs> which was interesting uh, because the answer was election day. Right. And from what I know, Saxon has something to do with the elections and possibly the prime minister position. It sure seems like that, doesn't it? Okay. 
I, I figured I was uh, not going to get a, uh, a deliberate answer yeah. yet, but uh, it was worth asking. We well, have to ask. anyways. Right. the The other thing that um, I wanted to uh, well, we'll we'll get to the question and answer thing, uh, but I did want to touch on the fact that uh, there was a little bit of uh, me feeling lost through this episode because the. Because of the ticking bomb, because like you said, there is no time to think, it's a time to jump in and take action. There's so much jargon being talked about. There's so much stuff being thrown out about the engines and the this and the that and the that I I felt a little lost. Like for the first 15 minutes of the episode or so, I felt like I am I missing something? And I even kind of went back to, you know, and, and started watching again. Uh, from after the, the 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 title sequence, because I'm like, did I? Am I just missing something? And it just seemed like it was a lot of jargon. But did I actually miss something in no. that jargon that just flew by me because it was coming so fast? No, exactly. I you know when when uh, I realized that we were recording this today, I went, oh, I better watch this yet again. It's you know I. I I'm going through the catalog again. I started going in the same frame that you were, and then I got anxious, so I've jumped ahead. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm in the middle of the next season uh, currently, but so I had to go back and watch this yet again. Um, so for like the sixth or seventh time now that I've seen it, but yeah, there's a lot of jargon that's going back and forth that I think is meant to be this is science geeky stuff because of Again, we're we're looking through this more through Martha's eyes than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we really can't understand a lot of this, just knowing that it's just not working. And is the system that they're in? Because the doctor does, as as sometimes is the case, uh, in in this episode he does it. Uh, even in the face of danger, the doctor still maintains that sense of wonder and. Um, just childlike joy that can come from certain uh, things being revealed to him. and That he was in the he, Taraji system? Right. Is, no, is that significant in any way? Not that I can re- ever remember. That was another one of those that, you know, just, oh, it's a lovely area. <laughs> right, right. It's like, oh, it's a great neighborhood. There's lovely trees around the corner kind right. of thing. Exactly. <laughs> just it's more of the i think for the doctor it's getting as much information as possible if you know the time frame if you know the area you know what kind of uh advancements they've had you know what they can do and what they can't do and mm-hmm. i think that's more of the doctor saying i need i need the lay of the land right because I know to them, understand the, the people what, in the Taraji, right? If I know the Taraji system, I know then they don't have this particular piece of equipment that could save them in three seconds. So we can't talk about that mm. because they will not have any access to that because that's somewhere else. Mm. That makes sense. the The other thing that um, I found interesting in this episode, I mean, there was so much about it that I liked. Uh, when we see the the thing that seems to be consuming one of the crewmates uh, that may have led him to sabotage his own ship. Uh, and then he starts speaking uh, and we find out that, you know, he's the spouse of the captain 
and he starts blaming her. This is your fault. And, you know, of course, it's it's revealed at the end why this thing was happening, which was, you know, kind of a shock. As much as I wanted to say that I I've become accustomed to these kind of things from Doctor Who, I was surprised that that's what they came up with. The the sun itself was a living organism. Yes. And and that they they were in a ship that was used seeing scoop fusion. Did I get that right? Yes, absolutely. And that clearly the doctor asks, Oh, I thought that was outlawed. And they kind of skirted the question. And I thought, Hmm, I bet that's going to be important. But with everything else going on, I'd completely forgotten about oh, yeah, it. Absolutely. And of course that's the thing that, you know, the final order that the doctor gives her before kind of succumbing to the possession uh, was, you know, Martha vent the the fuel. And, you know, ultimately that's the thing that sets them free, which is just, again, fascinating ideas, fascinating ways of getting yourself out of this, you know, hot predicament uh, in a way that I just didn't see coming. Oh yeah, no, it's fun. and meta- and how angry the doctor got for you know you didn't scan, you didn't do this. It's you, you mm-hmm. just don't see the doctor go that primal. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also the first time that we've seen the doctor sort of howl because he's in pain like physical pain absolutely at least in the in the you know re, in the reboot no, okay. a reboot in the restart in the yes, in, in in the new version new, uh new who new who <laughs> new 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 who right <laughs> uh <laughs> but that because that was also a, a bit jarring is to see the doctor in pain and of course, here's Martha in her, you know, medical training, trying to do the best. Uh, and when the lady's like, "No, but he can't survive. It's two hundred, you know, minus two hundred degrees," and she's like, "Well, he's not human. And if he says he can survive it, I trust him." Uh, like, just what a wonderful again moment of showing Martha using her knowledge, uh, but also keeping her faith in the doctor and saying, nope, if the doctor says it, it's got to be true. Right. And again, if you were watching Doctor Who back in the 60s, um, you would have seen that uh, the very first doctor, again, I mentioned the first doctor doing something, um, was frozen and placed as a museum exhibit in a, in a mm. TV episode called The Space Museum, where he was frozen below 200, 200 degrees as well, to below mm. zero, uh, and actually put on a plinth. <laughs> so he was uh, he was given the Walt Disney treatment. Basically, yes. I wasn't <laughs> going to go there. I'm waiting for you to do it. Cryogenically frozen and out for display. Uh, dear listener, uh, Walt Disney is not cryogenically frozen, I assure you, or at least to the best of my knowledge. He does not uh, exist in the secret exhibit in the basement of the castle at the Magic Kingdom. To the best well, of my knowledge. I'm going there in a few <laughs> weeks, so I'm going to check that out. 
Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will get the bail money already. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's it for the episode. I did have a question that is a deeply nerdy question. Okay, go for it. So every time the computer was shouting out how long they had until impact, it seemed to be at really weird and odd intervals. And normally, you know, computers tend to be treated as things that deal in absolutes and exacts. So I could see the computer saying, you know, imminent collision at, in 30 minutes, in 25 minutes. But this thing would like oddly interrupt and it's like, you know, imminent collision. And clearly we start the episode with, you know, imminent collision in 42 minutes. And then every time it comes on, it was at like weird intervals. Is there a reason behind that? I, I think it's just to keep the uh, tension going so that any time there was any silence, it was broken up by the computer saying, you're going to die. <laughs> In this many minutes and this many seconds. Right. Uh, which is the, that's the part that I found so uh, odd. And after like the second or third time that the computer did that, I'm like, there's got to be a deeper meaning, but you know, uh, nothing that I me. can, no, no meaning per se, other than you will just keep the tension going by any time there's any kind of silence the the computer is going to jump in and say, this is going to happen shortly. And if this wasn't bad enough, then this is this other thing, which is just as dangerous is going to happen quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that the shielding was going to fail, you know, you know, like a minute before everything else was going to happen. Hmm. Uh, it mentioned a few times. Yeah, the, I, I just I, I found that quite odd. Ben, that's it for my questions. What what in this episode did I miss? Oh, there's quite a few things. Um, not that you missed, but let's um, uh, after uh, the whole Beatles question, uh, Beatles Elvis Presley question. Uh, the doctor mentions here comes the son at one point and even uh, starts uh, a little less conversation, uh, which is of a, a, a song. So right. it, it, it gets in his head um, and, and it comes out. Um, so that was fun. Um, the transmission of this episode that, was yeah, supposed to definitely. be. Yeah. The transmission of this episode was supposed to be on the 12th of May. It wound up being delayed a week because of the Eurovision song contest, which is huge in BBC uh, television. Mm. Uh, So that was uh, something that uh, was major. Uh, The episode uh, is the shortest of any televised installment of Dr. Who. And is the only one that is only consisting of numbers. Mm. Um, The uh, ship name and of course, I bring that up when I don't have it in front of me. The ship name was uh, sub- originally going to be called the Icarus, um, and then there was a movie—the <laughs> movie called Sunshine, which came out around the same time—and they had a ship mm-hmm. called the Icarus Two. Uh, so it was renamed uh, Pentilion, which was the uh, after a Pentilion drive, which was mentioned in a. Uh, Revenge of the Cybermen episode, which I believe is the fourth Doctor. Mm. Uh, the uh, ma- the masks that the 
possessed crew members war uh, were inspired by an X-Men, uh, a.k.a. Cyclops. <laughs> I was going to say. Yes. It was, it was with so a little bit of Vader with the little breathers on the side. Right. You know, or Stormtrooper. Yeah. At least. But yeah, it was. Uh, right. It was so. It was like, you know, oh, let's press the button on the side to lift the visor so we can, so we can blast you. It's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. The very first time I saw this, it was just uh, like, oh my God. Come on, give me a rate. Um, <laughs> the story originally, uh, when it was written, was a peony system, um, but they were mis- they were, were afraid that uh, the original name would be misheard, uh, not not well. Um, mm. And I'll leave it at that. Um, a couple of names changed because of uh, an episode not that long ago, Gridlock. Um, mm. Brannigan in the show, it was uh, middle name was Kincaid, and that was going to be Riley's name was going to be uh, Riley Kincaid, who was the mm. one who had uh, who had uh, was the husband who was the first infected, and then mm-hmm. he became uh, Riley Vashti because of that. Oh, um, so that was that. It was just little things. Well, all all of the all of that information was great, but uh, I guess in this episode we're going to get a double dose of uh, interesting tidbits because uh, I'm now going to throw it to Ashley for my favorite segment every week, which is Ashley's Tardis tidbits. So, Ashley, take it away. This is Ashley's Tardis tidbits for series three, episode seven forty two. So this episode does pretty much happen in real time, intentionally, of course, running it about 42 minutes. It was also an homage to the show 24 in the structure of how the story played out. You might also recognize a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. He also wrote a couple of scripts for the original Doctor Who in the late 70s. Originally, they considered setting this story in the same era as the season two two-parter, The Impossible Planet and Satan Pit. However, it didn't make it past the drafting stage. You may also recognize the Doctor's spacesuit from that two-parter in season two. Speaking of recycled props, the stasis chamber in this episode was the MRI scanner in Smith & Jones. So Vanette Robinson, who plays the medical officer Abby Lerner in this episode, will later return many years down the line in a 13th Doctor episode, playing a very important historical figure. Spoilers. Also, as you've noticed through this season, the Doctor has a second color suit. He's always had his classic brown since season two, but this season he also has a blue one. And Russell T. Davies said in the commentary for this episode that he tried to have the doctor wear the blue suit when he travels to the future and the brown suit when he's in the past. This also uh, happens to be the first episode written by Chris Chibnall. Current Whovians know that he is the showrunner of Doctor Who at this current time. And he also created and wrote another little show called Broadchurch, starring David Tennant. 
And like Rose, Martha finally gets her phone upgrade in this episode, and she has a TARDIS key, so she is official. And last but not least, we talked a lot about the musical score in last season. At the end of this episode, when Francine hangs up with her daughter, Martha, she hands over the phone and they mention Mr. Saxon again. There's a drum-like musical score playing during this part. Don't forget that sound. Thank you once again, Ashley, for some great tidbits. I appreciate it immensely. And uh, dear listener, let us know if you like the tidbits. Drop a comment. Uh, go to firsttimelord.com and let us know what you think of the tidbits. It, it is absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, I love learning more about each episode. So, And she uh, has so many, so much information that I don't even get. However, I do have one thing. The, the blue suit, as, as Ashley mentions, um, mm-hmm. that the doctor is wearing in this episode is, in, is indeed blue, but because the red lighting uh, all throughout the ship, it looks like he's wearing his brown suit. But he truly is wearing his blue his blue suit. I I did I was surprised because I was like, oh wow, he's back to the brown suit, which was kind of last series episodes, you know. And just two Uh more two more quick things here. There's a a couple of phrases that were mentioned in the in the show. Um, He says to Martha when they first land and they figure out where they are. Uh, he says to Martha, you're a long way from home, half a galaxy away, which he also said to Mickey Smith in The Girl from the Fireplace. Mm-hmm. And then in Smith and Jones, uh, when they uh, they said, uh, are you re-, uh, the doctor said, are you ready? And she said no uh, to the first trip that they were going to be on the TARDIS. It's reversed when uh, when she's putting the doctor into the stasis chamber. Mm-hmm. And says, "Are you ready?" And he says, "No." Yeah. So yeah. So that was uh, that was uh, a nice little uh, uh, pull back from one to the other. I I did uh, I did remember there was one line that really made me laugh in this episode where uh, they use the doctor to solve one of the puzzles that they had to solve to get through the door. Find the next number in the sequence. 313? 331 What? You said the crew knew all the answers. The crew's changed since we set the questions. You're joking. 379. What? It's a sequence for Happy Prime. 379. Happy what? Just enter it. Are you sure? We only get one chance. Any number that reduces to one when you take the sum of the square of its digits to continue iterating to yield one is a happy number. Any number that doesn't isn't. A happy prime is a number that's both happy and prime. Now type it in. Oh, I don't know. Talk about dumbing down. Don't they teach recreational mathematics anymore? Uh, that's hilarious to me. The the idea that the doctor's like, why don't they teach that? That's fun. <laughs> when when did they drop that? You know, it's just uh, there are little bits sometimes that don't have to mean a lot, but that make the show for me that much funnier, that much uh, more unique. And uh, that that was one of those moments in this episode. Right. And I have one final thing. The helmets that the that the uh, infected wore uh, mm-hmm. can be collected in the Doctor Who game, the Eternity Clock. The Doctor Who game, the Eternity Clock. Yes, there's a Doctor Who video game called the Eternity Clock, and that's an item that can be collected. Oh, there's a bunch what? of Doctor Who games out. 
I, th- th- this is uh, becoming news to me. I'm going to have to uh, do some research, I guess. Yes, uh, <laughs> there's actually a, there's actually a uh, just came out now for the iPhone. There is a uh, a Doctor Who Weeping Angels uh, game that just came mm-hmm. out very recently. I, I will have to check that out. Yes, excellent. Well, thank you so much, John, for joining me for another uh, super fun episode. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love this episode because of the tension. So it's so much fun to talk about it again. And uh, I look forward to uh, to listening to you enjoy the rest of this series because this is a good series. Uh, well, there, there's been quite a few uh, interesting episodes so far. So... Uh, I can't wait to to keep going forward uh, and and getting more into what this series has to offer. But thank you also, dear listener, for making it to the end of yet another fun-filled First Time Lord podcast. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, you can visit our website, firsttimelord.com. There you can leave a comment on all of our previous episodes. You can also visit the merch shop uh, where we have some new cool t-shirts that you are able to procure if you want to support the podcast that way. Or you can uh, click on the link that will take you to Patreon or search for my name, Daniel Levain, on Patreon and subscribe to the show that way. That all support is greatly appreciated, especially you sharing the podcast. If you know somebody who would enjoy Doctor Who and would get a kick out of getting a little extra information out of every episode, share the podcast with them. That would be greatly appreciated. But I guess we have no time left but for me to jump into the TARDIS and get to watching that next episode. (laughs) See you on Election Day. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs>